What would happen if sophisticated business concepts like long-term growth and scale plans, executive coaching, analytics and data evaluation, and financial modeling were applied to a nonprofit? You'll find out from John Oliver as he explains how Elevate USA is doing all of that and more to impact a rapidly growing number of young people all across the country on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm thrilled to have a conversation with John Oliver, Chief Operating Officer of Elevate USA, an organization that is leaning in to some of the huge problems facing young people today. John has spent more than two decades working in the youth services industry, focused on providing young people opportunities to reach their full potential. He started down this path with Colorado Uplift, and he has been working to elevate economically disadvantaged communities in America since 2001. Awesome. With Elevate USA, John puts his energy into building infrastructure that is conducive for organizational growth and scale, and Elevate USA is impacting more than 10,600 students and counting. He believes the only way ways to see the vision realized is by hiring, retaining, and growing talent that enters the organization. Prior to joining Elevate USA, John served as the Chief Program Officer for A Scholarships, which is where I first crossed paths with him and admired his work, helping that great organization expand its programming across the country. When he's not going Mach 1 at work, John is the drummer in the kick-butt Chicago blues band Incoming Groove and is a high school football sideline official. Most importantly, John is a devoted father to his son, and I can't wait to get into all of this with them. John, thanks for being here. That's uh, great to be with you, Jay. So we'll start simple like I always do. And just tell me how you would describe Elevate USA to somebody that doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, sure. So I would tell them we are a, we are a national best practice organization of social entrepreneurs that launch and support independent nonprofits around the country, um, implementing a model that originated here in Denver by Dr. Kent Hutchison, um, which is called Colorado Uplift. Um, what I, I would explain our work as we replicate a proven program that's existed for about 40 years, so a little bit over four decades now, um, providing guidance leadership to all the aspects of launching a nonprofit in prospective cities. And that's where that term social entrepreneur comes from, um, is we we basically build from the ground up. So we had, you know work with key stakeholders in cities across the our country that want to um, address kind of a social, uh, the relational insecurity issues, some social problems in their community. And we start um, right, right from building that founding board all the way to um, helping to build uh, every component of the business. So every operational component, hiring, um, everything else. And then the best part of this is after we launch, we get to support these affiliates over time um, with technical training, professional development, ad hoc support, everything else. Uh, we basically want to help them grow their, expand their pipelines as well. And so um, we provide all of that launch and support services. That's awesome. So I want you to tell me a little bit how it's evolved, because it sounds like and franchise is probably not the right term, but it sounds like you guys are kind of the home base 
that can really, if somebody wants to do one of these awesome programs and, and help kids in their community, you guys can lead them from startup to, you know, capacity building to where they're really humming. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to do this. And I, I'm fortunate to um, kind of do it both ways. One way is an affiliate model um, where it's not a franchise. It is right. 100%. You're affiliated to a brand. Um, we try to keep fidelity in the program, but, but we don't have a, we don't, we don't use a stick. You know, we don't have, we don't control anything from headquarters. We believe that um, building thriving organizations has to do with building locally, finding local leaders, local um, investors that, and when we say investors, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about investing the energy it takes to yeah. turn things around in cities. And so we chose the affiliate model um, and, uh, it you know it has its it has its challenges, um, but the the amazing fruit of the work is once you if you can get this right, and these local organizations um, go down this path and they're you know, in their maturation cycle and you see them starting to mature and grow. Um, and you did that without any control. You did it all through the lens of influence and leadership. And so as we're growing, um, the network is getting a lot stronger. Um, people are getting smarter and better as they uh, run these programs and they're able to bring those learnings kind of back to the network. And so the, the benefit for us in this model is that it is very um, organic in that nature. Nature. And um, um, not to say we're not programming a bunch of stuff in there to make right. it happen. But. Right. But it also has to be kind of that flywheel effect, right? Where all of a sudden you're creating this own velocity that keeps things going on its own when circulating exactly. great ideas and everybody's learning and getting better working together. Yeah. And the unique thing about us is, you know, we know that, you know, when you start a business, um, there's a lot of time and resource and energy that goes into things that are usually about building the infrastructure, not about the mm -hmm. mission of the organization. Right. So we want to kind of take some of that off of, of starting affiliates so they can be about relationships um, and really walk alongside of them. And we, we offer um, executive coaching. We offer all kinds of resources um, that kind of take that burden off a first, you know, first year executive director. Um, and so the, uh, you know, the benefit there is that, you know, you can focus on the work that matters the most while relying on uh, what we do, um, which is, you know, and we do this or so we've done this 17 times now, 17 cities and soon to be 20. 17. And, awesome. Soon yeah. to be 20. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. 20. And we're launching about four years. So by wow. 2025, we, we will be at 29 cities, uh, which is uh, really exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. Well, I want to get into the work you're doing, but I want to go back to one thing. And it's it's a line that I got from you <laughs> in one of the meetings we are at. And it, it's if you can go out of business, <laughs> you're a business. And this is something I think a lot of nonprofits yeah. you know, don't fully understand or don't really get their head around. And that's a huge advantage that you guys are bringing is that business component to, to all your affiliates. Yeah. I mean, anyone that's tried to start a nonprofit or a church knows that money doesn't just fall from the sky. Right. Um, a lot of people look at their work as ministry or work as since it's social, someone's going to come and help and they don't look at, they don't treat it like a business. So how, right. how does it, 
how does a business thrive? It's, you know, a lot of your, your management framework, your paradigm about people, all the things that you do to build a strong culture and then have the mechanisms inside um, that, that are very strong capabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And and certainly you can't scale unless you have those strong capabilities. Um, And, and so that's a, that's a completely different, you know, that, that is um, a different mindset for us. Yeah, that's what was taught to me a long time ago is a lot of people don't think they're running a business, but if you can go out of business, you're a business. One of my favorite lines ever. I've used it a thousand times. Well, you know, you have to be proactive, right? It's not, uh, things don't get done for you. And and then then you dissect and and there's enough research out there to know what builds a thriving business. And so, um, so yeah, (laughs) that's what you guys can bring to the affiliates. And let's, let's talk a little bit about the programming though, because when you talk about life-changing relationships with urban youth, how does that start? And really what are the barriers for those kids to find a program like yours? Yeah, so that's our, our mission is to build long-term. And I got to pause after each one of these words because they mean something. We build long-term, life-changing relationships with youth, equipping them to thrive and contribute to their community. And so each one of those words we have dissected and not only have programmed, but um, it might sound like a little fluff out there. But um, so one of the barriers um, and, uh, you know, what's a common it's common for us to hear terms like food insecurity. Right. Um, housing insecurity, things like that. Huh? Um, and you don't really hear the term relational insecurity. Um, what are, yeah. What are the relationships that are vital in one's life um, to propel them just even to progress? Okay. Just, right. just progress. Like, you know, we all, we all you know, raise children that we hope will be, um, we correct things, right? We, we want mm-hmm. to be better than, than mm-hmm. it was the way that, you know, and so we're trying to do that um, generationally as well. And so long-term life-changing relationships with youth. Um, and we're really concerned about what, so what happens after that? What does it mean to thrive and contribute to their community? Um, so we start there um, with just that mission. And, right. and um, I'm going to start though, outside a program and just hit on what I, what I talked about a little bit before about building an organization. Um, it starts really with having the right paradigm about people in your organization and ensure you build a cohesive leadership team around that. And you hire staff that are aligned with that paradigm. Yeah. And so what I mean by that is we believe every single person, adult and kid, every administrator in a school has intrinsic value and they're worthy of dignity. I mean, we believe in the intrinsic dignity of every person. So we don't get into systems. We're not political. Um, I, you know, we don't, that's not our focus. Our focus is on the kids and the people in inside of those systems. So once you get the right people on the bus and, um, and, and you don't find people that think this is cool, but find people that leave the interview and go, I was built for this. Okay. And you get those guys on here. That's the first thing, right? Yeah. Because without that, the programming and everything else and, and uh, building a healthy culture is not going to happen. However, when we get to the program side, and now there, here's where there's some distinctions between the way we approach mentoring kids, um, then maybe some other programs. There's a there, there's different kinds of models. You have facility based mentoring. You've got one on you know you have one on one mentoring. Um, you know there's we kind of never put 
our resource in a brick and mortar to create a facility. Um, what we want to do is go right where the kids are at. So um, the unique thing about us, uh, one of the distinctions is uh, we, and I hate saying this because it's such a buzzword now, but we're about the whole child. It's holism. It's a holistic approach to kids. Right. We realize that kids have, um, you know, there's several areas in a kid's life that we want to be able to address all of them. Um, and so the research tells us that if kids don't have a caring, trusted adult in their life, that's invested long term, that they're going to grow up and perpetuate a poverty and scarcity mindset. And so mm. what we do is we start young. Um, uh, I'll go back to how this program started. In 1982, Dr. Kent Hutchison came uh, back from the Philippines. He was doing some social service work there, doing some uh, missionary work. Nice. He was born here in South Denver. Uh, he went to South High School, born in South Denver. And he, he's, he was just like, man, there's something I have to do in my backyard. There's something we have to do in this city. And what it would do... Um, it was he was trying to uh, address really what we would call workforce readiness now. Like, what are kids that are in right. poverty? What happens mm -hmm. after they graduate? So he started a jobs program, and what he what he did, what he found was, you know, you're hooking eighteen years old, eighteen year olders up with um, local business people who are on your board, and um, things started happening early on with those kids. They did not have the the leadership the right, they're not ready for development that. to hold jobs mm -hmm. um and uh, one of the best stories is a board member gave a kid to a car i gave a kid to a car give a car to a kid and uh to get to work to get back and forth and the kid took the car and went to florida and so you kind of pause <laughs> for you kind of or california somewhere else you kind of pause for a minute and you think all right we got to get we got to start younger so right came to take high school kids down to an elementary school and uh, take a, take your high school kids down and teach fourth and fifth graders character. So, um, and then stuff started to happen. You start to see kids um, going back now to a local elementary school that they likely went to. Right. And now there you got a cool senior coming um, yeah. to talk to a fourth grader about why vision's important, why it's important to care. Um, and then that started a very uh, program that became very long-term. It started in now fourth grade where there's exposure to these concepts facilitated by high school kids in the neighborhood. But then we would follow those kids in middle school and we would provide, you know, summer day camps, everything else. And, and then we built a middle school program that would teach in the schools. So our program teaches character, life skills, and leadership in, in the public schools, um, and then mentors those kids after school. So we start, you know, now building the content in middle school. Well, I, being a program director over there, I can tell you, I tracked every kid going from eighth to ninth grade. I found out where they were going to high school, and I ensured that once they got to high school, they got in Colorado Uplift, which would then allow them to do what happened to them. And now they're going back to Little Lift. Nice. And so this long-term eight-year relationship uh, is just in just in the K-12 space um, is that's what we call um, long term, but it's also year round. So yeah. everyone packs up for the summer. We we get summer programming going and summer programming. We have an adventure program. There's four components of this, of our, of our program. One of which is adventure. We take advantage of that. Obviously here in Colorado, it's easy. We take kids backpacking and whitewater rafting. So kids that would never mm -hmm. experience 
have an opportunity to grow through challenge, we provide that opportunity for them. We've done winter survival and snowboarding and skiing. And of course, most of the time, this is the first time kids get to even get off the block. Right. Even get out of their neighborhood. I mean, I would be in in uh, Castle Rock and kids would be like, are we still in Colorado? Wow. Like there's just this thing that they just, just even exposure. So you mm-hmm. do that year round. Okay. So that's this adventure piece. And then you're mm-hmm. in the school teaching. So you see those kids 10 times a day, 15 times a day, let alone have them for an elective period. Right. And then, um, and then there's this after school component, right? A lot of, a lot of programs will stop at the end of the school day are, we realize a lot of our students problems start at the end of the school. Yeah. Um, so we take them and we feed them and we have sports programs and we do tutoring, but it is very much, um, uh, there's a deep immersion there, you know, parents, you know, what's in the refrigerators, uh, you know, you're really available for, for whatever um, a kid is going through. Many times our parents would call us and say, you need to pick up Jesus today. He's acting, he's acting crazy. And, uh. and I'd go get him. And then, and then there's this whole thing. You're developing the inner, the inside, the social, you know, kind of well-being, the mental health side of this, just the relational support that you're providing um. and, and watching things change in a kid's life. It's transformational. So now yeah. what do they do after so then we have a post-secondary program that would not only like in junior year, and I just remember going down to East High School um, and, and ensuring that every single one of our kids in our East class were enrolled, um, are applied to schools and applied for scholarships or ran a, an entire program. Like, how do you fill up FAFSA? Right. I mean, that's not foreign to a first year graduate yeah. on how you get to college. So we ran sessions. So we're, we're so again, we're, we're concerned about uh, the whole kid, not not only just, you know, we might be playing basketball, um, but I'm also with the principal and him working on, you know, a plan to move to decrease some behavior or something yeah. down to sitting down there at our graduation day. And the best joy I have right now is that now we're seeing kids come back and we're employing them. So yeah. in the program that have went to college, they've, they've achieved a degree and they can do a lot. And they say, you know, what, I'm going to come back and I want to, I want to do this for my community. Oh my gosh. Um, so we're seeing it full circle and uh, what better to have someone that's uh, leading a, a program be one that's grown up in it and has experienced Lived the experience you've had. Exactly. So that's what's, those are the unique distinctions. It's four program areas. It's long-term. It's a 24 seven availability. We don't use volunteers. We hire FTEs to do this work because we just believe that, um, you know, when you have a full-time employee that's called to this work, uh, they're going to run this a little bit longer um, than if you're relying on volunteers that may move out of the community or whatever. And, um, and so that's, those are some of the unique distinctions about the program. Well, it's super exciting that this is spreading to 20 cities, which is awesome. But one of the, one of the things I'm fascinated with is this, this idea of relational insecurity because I mean, kids, teenagers, are like that anyway. So now tell me how much you're having to make up for now after going through the pandemic. I mean, that, that took relational insecurity and blew it to a whole new low, right? Yeah. You know, um, pre COVID we had a problem. We had a problem that we weren't solving, um, already. 
And so um, it's a typical term if you're in the education space. If we just talk about the learning, not the social side yet, Mm -hmm. just the learning, we talk about a summer slide. So what is the learning loss that happens over a summer? Mm -hmm. And that's two months. Right. Um, And it's significant. It's it's measurable. You can look at it. Mm -hmm. And so early on, um, Dr. Hanyashek out of Stanford did some um, kind of predicting what this was, what the COVID slide was going to cost cost society. And just even in GDP, like what are the, Mm -hmm. how does this, what's the long-term impact of learning loss and kind of stunning um, what came out. And if if you pay a follow any, you know, follow some of the news um, just recently, 23 schools in the Baltimore district, 0% of the kids are proficient. So Jeez. like, if you think about what's going on here, you have the side that was a problem before COVID and it was the relational insecurity. Mm-hmm. Some of the only relational relationships that kids had were inside of those schools right. that were, that were healthy. So that kind of got messed up for, let's just call it two years, depending yeah. on where we're at in the country. Two years of that, not not only that, but many kids didn't even have the equipment to log in. Oh, so right. Now, so now you're you're in the you're in the projects. You don't have a laptop, and if you did have laptop, you might not have bandwidth to right. you have, for right. multiple kids to log in. So now you're not even connecting on a screen. I mean, the attendance rate um, at one point was like under eighty five percent, which is alarming. That just, just logging into the computer. Right. And then you have kids like without their screen on playing Xbox. Right. I only know that because I have a son who tells me the truth about things. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you just say that. So, but let's talk about, so let's, let's t- talk about that. Let's talk about the social piece. Now this relational insecurity. Yeah. We track, we, we spend a lot of uh, resource on measurement evaluation. We spent about, you know, last year was 20% of our budget. Okay. Wow. What we want to do is make sure that we are looking very deep into the program and understanding how our the people we serve see this program, but also measuring things that are, are, are important to us to move the needle on. So like, you, you know, 60% uh, you know, of our kids don't have a, they don't live with their biological father, 30% moved one time in the last year. Half of the kids have disciplinary issues and you have all these things. These are the things that we want to measure against. So I'll just give you an example of one of the things that, that we saw that was, there's this term that came out in the height of COVID for Elevate USA. And it was not so with Elevate USA students. That was the term because we were seeing opposite trends happening in the Elevate USA wow. student population. So <clears throat> there was some research that came out that said four out, of th- four out of 10 kids feel completely alone and have no one to talk to. Just let mm. that soak in for a minute. Right, think so, about that. So you got 10 kids, four of them are crying in their bedroom because they have no one to talk to. Um, sitting in that pain is hard. So they well, do. And, and think about that for a second, because of the six that answered differently, how many were really telling the truth? Yeah, true. So that's it's more than four. True. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you think about that, um, just that that stat alone, we also 
um, surveyed all of our students, which in the height of COVID, because we were doing home visits and we were still very connected, the best we could, not having schools. Right. Um, but we had 80% of our kids say that they felt deeply loved by their teacher. Wow. You know, um, while 87% um, of low-income families were unemployed um, during uh, that season of, of COVID, um 83 percent of our kids were employed so there's just like these nice. total so we we look at things um we we want to track things that matter okay so we look at um like on the social emotional well-being side we look at suicide okay and yeah. we asked the question during the last 12 months did you did you consider attempting suicide um and we this is a pre and post survey mm-hmm. okay and um, before Elevate, just even in our Black and Hispanic females, 24% said that they have. Um, after just a year with their mentor, we see a 34% decrease. Wow. We see just in a year. This is the mentor that, that walks awesome. with them, that not only drives them home from school, but sometimes picks them up. And in those van rides, we've kind of joked around over the years of doing this work that the van is like your office, you know, you're in that a lot of stuff happens when kids say, can you drop me off last? You know, and then you're, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm with a young man and and he tells me the things that he can't tell in front of everyone else Mm -hmm. and me as his mentor and leader, you know, now I have to kind of, okay, this is, this is where he's at. How do I, what do I do about that? So we see a decrease in this, even the way that um, kids, you know, addressing suicide, the way they think about suicide. We, we look at some several questions, even on classroom engagement, when we saw, so like after a year being in um, Elevate, see a 217% increase in classroom engagement. So we ask questions around, um, if you're engaged in your class, first of all, okay, um, that is the environment you need for learning, right? You have to be engaged. And and the teachers that create that environment, um, uh, God bless them, man. It's hard work. Yeah, it's hard work. Kids actually um, are the ones that that now their paradigm about school start to start to change a little bit and they start doing things that are um, that that we would call um, classroom engagement violence in the schools we see a 69 percent uh, reduction in physical altercations 70 wow. percent. and this is just this is a this is like like you know just give us a couple semesters just mm. give us a couple semesters with kids because after school i'm going to be with them and on the weekends i'm going to go to their games uh, you know if they're playing extracurricular we look at community involvement they they increase their volunteering by 75 percent. so wow. here you have kids that then because we're service oriented and what we're doing they are partaking in this all the time with us some sort of volunteering we build homes we clean up yards we do this stuff in the summer and after school um they're they're engaged in it that they go and do it in their own communities so we're looking at um we're looking at some of that stuff now, I would say that without the relational security, which is your original question, you know, we're trying to address this thing. What did COVID do? All it did for us at Elevate USA was just change the course a little bit. We knew we still had to pursue kids. Yeah. We did the best we could with what we had, but we 
didn't have to close our doors, right? We didn't have the facility that was shut down now. Now we can go in the front yard of a kid's house and talk with them. And um, a lot of people got very creative um, up during that time. And so what, what we know, we measure things like, does a mentee share their life problems with their mentor? And large in part, they do, you know, um, 70% of those kids say, this is my trusted caring adult who I'm going to share these hard things with. Yeah. Um, and now we can help them, right? We can resource them. We can walk with them, um, you know, and so I, I think there's no other way to do this, but to go deep with kids, to be long-term. Um, the other thing is that's unique is we hire people from that community to serve the kids right. in the community. And so it's really hard to say to, to someone, uh, a teacher, whom, by the way, we have three, three teachers in a classroom at a time, a little bit of a different situation. Hmm. But it's really hard to tell one of those teachers, you don't know what I'm going through when they went to that school. Right. You don't know what I'm going through. Right. I didn't have a dad either. Um, and look at me, I have a degree now and I'm here helping you. So mm -hmm. there, there are some real benefits to hiring people oh, uh, yeah. that want to transform their community. And so that is our sweet spot. I probably wouldn't get hired in most of our cities right now huh. <laughs> as a teacher mentor. <laughs> and I accept that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's awesome that, you know, you're backing up all of your stuff with all this data and research as, as such a great proof of concept. And it's really it's starting to get noticed, right? I saw where you guys just won a national award from Chick-fil-A and, and you're getting some other national recognition too. So I, I, I'd love you to brag about that, some of that just a yeah. little bit, because it's, it really, it's recognition that what you're doing is, is effective and is working. Yeah. You know, I just, um, I, I do want to brag about it. I am proud of it because we have teacher mentors all day that strap up their boots and they go on a battlefield, like when that school's on fire, these guys are not running away from that building. They're the first ones in. Um, and uh, what's been awesome is to see the recognition when you have an award that's called the True Inspiration Award. And you got people who are, you know, in the trenches, man. We lost two students. Every day. Yeah, we lost two students to gun gun um oh. just 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 two two weeks ago. Mm. And these are kids that were in our program that um we just well our teacher mentors are right there, right in the middle of that thing, picking up those pieces now. But mm. what, what we're trying to do is provide uh, we're trying to change that story. Okay. So when we get recognized as who's out there really trying to make a difference in the community. And what's been cool um, was that we got the network um, kind of engaged and they were all making videos. And what I, what was joyful you know, to me about it was that like kids were taking pride in their, in their elevate. And so they would make little 30 second clips of these videos and say, vote for elevate USA. And you can tell that um, it was almost like they were up there promoting their own brand, you know, yeah. they're the believers of it. So yeah, we got recognized by Chick-fil-A um, got a great, great donation from them. We also, um, we partner with, uh, with another organization called stand together, which stand together um, is really an, an incredible nonprofit organization that, they exist to kind of eradicate poverty and do it very uniquely. They do it by um, 
by not only promoting and supporting, but making investment in organizations that are um, trying to scale, but have proven their impact. And so we are a stand together catalyst partner um, and they serve about 250 catalysts. And we were chosen for the impact partner group, which is uh, uh, 25 organizations out of that that got selected 10% salute. Yeah. And, and the great thing about it is it's, it's like, cool. Yeah. You get this recognition, but what it really means is it ups your game a whole bunch. So, and when it comes to your management framework and how you're running your infrastructure, we now have a lot of resource and tool to strengthen and kind of fortify some of these things that we're doing. Um, but also make sure that we're building a thriving, sustainable um, infrastructure that can continue to scale. And so, um, so it's, not just uh, the the recognition; it's the it's really being um, part of a movement. It's a movement. Um, what Stand Together is doing, and um, and their support has been incredible for us. Awesome. Well, you've been in this space now for more than twenty years, helping you know give a hand up to young people. What is it? What is it that drives you? I think for me, it's it has to do with. Um, investing your life in, in, in something that's, uh, greater, you know, greater than, greater than yours, but something yeah. that's going to last beyond, beyond you too. I don't think I could do this and get behind a program that I didn't know worked. So I think my motivation, the thing that excites me is that right now, my motivation is knowing that we just launched on the Navajo nation, um, which is a, an incredible entry into, in case most people don't know, yeah, the toughest, poorest space in this country where four out of 10 people don't have electric and running water and just basic essentials. I mean, that's staggering to think that's in this country. Yeah. And, and we're, and we're there and we're launched there. It's probably one of the, one of the launches awesome. that I'm proud of, which, which uh, for us, you know, we have our eyes on the first nations and we have to address that there's people suffering in our, in our space. And and they're uh, also, again, back to our paradigm about people yeah. value valuable, you know, they have been, they're, they're worthy of dignity. And so, so there's that, but I, um, I, I, I can't, you know, it's hard for me to watch the news anymore um, uh-huh. because I, I just, uh, you know, just we hear these two kids and I, just even in our network that were that were taken. I've lost students. Um, we've lost family members um, and we have to do something to stop it. And the only way I know how to do that is to start with kids and start at a young age. The only thing that keeps me going is I know that I have kids right now that would not be where they're at without their mentor walking with them um, without a doubt. And and I mean, we're getting down to the place where we're starting to quantify things that are um, proving this model um, that it is a it works. And you know what else, Jay? Sorry, but like uh, it would be nice to have some good news. I'm not the truth. Um, And I can tell you good news stories all day long about overcomers, people who have 
now out of the scarcity mindset into a growth mindset who are the first to do um, things in their family. And this is how you start that ripple effect. Some yep. of my kids that have made that progression and have, and have, and we've seen the social mobility and I can count it. They're going to have children and they're going to buy homes. He's going to say you're going to buy their cars and they're going to pay taxes and they're going to buy groceries. Yep. And when one kid does that and another and another, and we can do something about, um, you know, not only graduating, but also graduating and getting gainful employment, yeah. you're going to raise your children a little different. And it's yep. going to take this. We're working with 11,000 kids. There's 40 million low income kids in the country. We have work to do. Um, and, but I, it's got to start young. And I can tell you watching the fruit, after faithfully planting seeds and watering, um, if you it it'll make anyone a believer. You just have to stay um, around long enough, yeah, um, and it will happen. Um, and so, what keeps me going is knowing that it works and knowing it's a solution that isn't a band aid, and it's not a yeah. Let me feed you a meal so you're good tonight. Mine is like our our you know my heart is not that. Um, it certainly is teaching teaching the the person how to fish, but even more so, change your family tree, reverse this. Yeah, that, I was going to say you're changing yeah. you're you're changing the trajectory of generations, right? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to reverse the that that generations of failure, generations of poverty, and and poverty starting in the mindset. Yeah, um, and so we that's 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 what is encouraging to me, and I, I would also say this, man, it is a lot different. Um, working with an organization um, and people that um, are just incredible. I work with like uh, heroes, right? So it makes it like for me, um, what keeps me in it is not only what I'm doing, but who I'm doing it with. We have a, an amazing team. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it comes back to that circle thing. Everybody's feeding each other. You're all getting better. Rising exactly. tide lifts all boats. It's it's awesome to think about. So as we wind down, change gears just a little bit. Tell me what's something that you will read, listen to, or watch today. So I got a couple things. One is got a book from a guy we just hired. I have to read this. So it's called the best of Monday morning minute. It's a guy we just, you know, um, he's a, he's an executive coach. We brought him on board. So I'll probably have my nose in this guy. Um, you know, a lot of podcasts that I will listen to in, uh, going back and forth, but, um, I think a lot of our stuff right now, I'm, I'm actually trying to read a lot of our own research. Um, and it's more, more because we have some projects that are, that are going on. So hopefully squeeze some blues in there somewhere. Well, that'll be, yeah, that'll be later in the background. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me who's somebody that's really been a role model that's inspired you to do this work that you're doing. Yeah, I would, you know, I'd have to go back to, um, Ken Hutchison, the founder of Colorado Uplift, you know, I had the benefit, he passed uh, several years ago, I had the benefit of basically being recruited by him. And um, I got to sit kind of at his feet for a long time and got close with him. Um, and his wife, Diane, who is one of the most amazing women you'll ever meet, um, her faith her strength through all kinds of triumphs. These guys have adopted kids from the Philippines. Um, they have um, been unwavering in their faith, but not only that to the day that Kent, um, Kent was working, that guy never stopped. He, um, he was sick for a very long time. And even through times where we thought we were going to lose Kent, 
The next thing we know, that guy is like on a plane um, doing something to advance wow. the mission. He um, is a guy that would work all night long writing, right? He, uh, but he, he kind of showed what it meant to go about this with a white hot fire, you know, with, uh, you know, unwavering, always talking about the urgency. It was always urgent. In fact, when he would talk to us, it was almost like, you know, you got to go now. Like there was an urgency. We were losing kids. Go, go get them now, this kind of thing. And so I think that really set the pace, uh, set, set my mindset at least, but it also resonated with me in that if you're going to go, you got to be relentless in your pursuit for kids. And, and he, he modeled that and he modeled it until he passed and he left an incredible legacy. It's safe to say, I think you'd be proud of that. You're carrying that, carrying on what he started. Yeah. Uh, lastly, if anybody wants to learn more about Elevate USA, support you, um, get involved. What's yeah. the best way to find you? Yeah, just you can uh, go on our website, www.elevatetheusa.org. Don't forget the the, but um, our contact information's on there and we'd love to entertain any conversations. Also on LinkedIn. I think we're on Instagram. I'm not, but uh, on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, that's our social media presence. That's, that's fantastic. We'll put that all in the show notes. This is really, John, this has been a masterclass in nonprofit management. I think, uh, so impressed, couldn't be more impressed with the research and the data and the drive and the passion. Keep up the great work and God bless. Thank you, Jay. It's been great to be with you. Thanks for listening. It will be exciting to watch Elevate USA continue to grow. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity Services. Our business is to help build great organizations. Learn more at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about Elevate USA, visit elevatetheusa.org and find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and other social media platforms. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.